Hey everyone, welcome to the show. You're listening to Can I, the Latchel podcast named for the acronym Continuous and Never-Ending Improvement. At Latchel, we have a deep belief that you can't get better by staying the same. And our podcast is here to give you the tools and resources you need to achieve healthy growth. As a Y Combinator-backed company, we know what it takes to have rapid, accelerated growth, and we want to pass our learnings along to you. At Latchel, we help property managers and landlords grow and scale by taking over 24-7 maintenance operations. We've developed an innovative mix of software and on-demand support to help do that. Each week on this show, we bring on industry experts and we dive into the topics that'll help you shape your business. Welcome to the show. Let's get going. All right, we are live. And hey, everybody, welcome to this session of the Latchel Property Management Podcast. I'm Ethan Lieber, the CEO of Latchel, here with our guest today, Mark Cunningham, President of Grace Property Management in Denver. Now, you may already know of Mark Cunningham. And if you don't, you may be living under a rock because he's become a bit of a household name in the residential property management space. And Mark, you've been very generous uh, with your time and knowledge in the industry. Uh, Mark's built multiple online courses and resources for property managers to grow and succeed in their business. You've spoken at conferences nationwide, and you even put on your own conference, Pulling Back the Curtain uh, Property Management Conference every year. Uh, so your approach to management has had huge influence in the residential space in a, in a massively positive way. And today Ethan, we're going to be... Ethan, yep. would you please tell my son everything you just said? Because I want him to hear <laughs> that awesome introduction because he does not buy in any of it. But I, I just had to record that and play it back for him. That's good stuff. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll do my best. No guarantees <laughs> that he'll listen to me either, though. <laughs> Um, but today we're going to be talking about uh, some of the courses you offer, one in, in particular called 25 Income Streams for your property management business. So for anyone listening in, if you want to increase your revenues, pay close attention. And at the end of the show, Mark's going to provide a special offer for you to get access to that course. Uh, Mark, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, Ethan. I appreciate it, man. A huge, huge fan of you, huge fan of Latchel. So thank you. It's an honor. Oh, I appreciate that. And the, the honor is all ours today. Um, maybe you can kick us off actually by giving us a brief intro of yourself for anyone that hasn't heard of you. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the quick 30 second version is back in uh, 1978. Uh, if we get in the time machine and go way back in time, you know, Jimmy Carter's in year number two of his presidency. Uh, interest rates to buy a house were about 16%. If you can believe that. Like That's unfathomable to us today, right? <laughs> BGs have the number one hit song on the radio. So that same year, my dad decided that he wanted to open up a real estate and property management company. He'd been a school teacher before that. So he, he just kind of kicked off Grace Management, Grace Management in Denver, and uh, opened it up himself. Didn't have much going on, but uh, started this little company. And I was kind of employee number one because I was free child labor. So my dad had me doing anything that needed to be done. I mean, I remember as a kid, I'd go to the office with him and he'd be like, all right, today I want you to label these files. Today I want you to go mow that lawn. I want you to paint this house. I want you to collect this rent, I mean, whatever it was. So I, I kind of grew up in that world and it kind of just gave me a unique view into real estate, into property management, into business. So I'd, as I grew up, I'd spend my summers working for him, doing whatever needed to be done. Studied finance and real estate in college, did some other things in the, the property management space. And then uh, kind of came back and joined uh, his firm at the time about, oh gosh, 20 some odd years ago now. And uh, we just kind of grown slow and steady. So, so today I'm the, the president of the company. We've got about a thousand doors we manage here in the Denver area. Uh, we do residential, we do commercial, we're investors ourselves. So I, I own some stuff myself, mm -hmm. we buy, we sell, or we flip. You know, our, our mantra, our mantra is follow the opportunity, follow the opportunity. What's the opportunity in this market? And let's follow it. And that's what we've done for, for 40 years. I love that. Actually, your, your story is so similar to my co-founder, Will, who um, had taken over a management company in kind of the same way. And uh, along that same sort of like culture principle, like find the opportunity mm -hmm. kind of brought us into Latchel. And it seems on your side, you eventually kind of navigated and found your way to educating other property managers and building courses. Uh, how did that happen? So... Uh, the I'll, I'll give you the long story over uh, over coffee someday, but the short version is we just you know 
we're property managers. I'm a property manager. That's what I do. I was at my office yesterday with my team. That's what we do. And uh, we've gotten pretty good at what we do. I think we're so I think we're good at it because over 40 years, like there's no more mistakes left for us to make. We've made every mistake there. So we almost can't help but be successful now because we, we've done every mistake. So over time, we just kind of got good at what we're doing. And so we would keep having people reach out to us and say, hey, can we you know, can we spend some time with you? And I know you guys are big on systems. So can you tell us how you do systems? And so we do that and say, you know, I know you guys are big on income streams. Can you talk to us about that? And so it just kept turning over more and more and more. And so finally somebody was like, hey, would would you like, can we like buy your stuff? <laughs> like, can I pay you to spend time with you? And they're like, what? That, that sounds weird. Uh, but that's kind of how it morphed into this, what it is now. So now I spend about half my time traveling, speaking. Uh, we created a website just around PM education. You know, how can you, how can you build, how can you protect, and how can you grow your PM company? And that, that's what it's focused on uh, because we've just been through a lot of these things. So I spend a, a good portion of my time around that uh, doing some some speaking and teaching and coaching and and offering some courses on the things that we as PMs deal with on a day to day basis because it's we're in such a weird industry. I mean, this is this is unlike any other industry out there. So it's really hard to find uh, and emulate people that are doing it well. And and we found those people over the years. We we're just really good copycats. We found people that do it well, and we've we've copied them and, and thought, gosh, this this works. And so we kind of create this little blueprints for uh, for success. I'm curious, are there a couple blueprints that you think are sort of foundational for for a property manager to succeed? Yeah. Yeah. And one of them is what we're talking about today, right? The income side of things. Mm -hmm. And I think like COVID right now, it's done an amazing job of revealing the strength of property management companies. Because one of two things is happening. In the last six months, I've had more calls than I think we've ever had before. And they go one of two ways. They either go like this, hey Mark, I'm, uh, I'm a competitor, I'm in, your de- in the Denver market here and uh, we're done, we're out. We wanna close up business, we can't deal with COVID, do you wanna buy our business? And then the next day I'll get another call, hey, I'm one of your competitors in the Denver market, you know, we're, we're looking to acquire property management companies and uh, mm-hmm. do you want out? So I think this, you know, what's happening right now um, is COVID's really revealing whether a company has been foundationally strong, right? I mean, whether they've followed that blueprint of success or whether they've just been coasting and now they encounter some problems and they're out. And, and one of those biggest problems companies encounter is, is they don't know how to make money because this is this is a hard industry to make money at doing. And just by the nature of our, our industry and uh, the market we're in, it's becoming more and more hard. It is harder today on one hand, to make money than ever before. We've been doing this for 40 years. And I can say over 40 years, this is the toughest market to ever make money in you know, for, mm-hmm. for a couple reasons. You know, One of them is because there is so much competition in our industry. I mean, there, there's property management companies all over the place. I got, believe it or not, I got a copy of a phone book. I mean, I didn't even know they still delivered the phone book, but apparently they do. <laughs> so I got a phone book in the mail. And just out of curiosity, I flipped to P for property management. In the phone book, and it, there were more pages that I could flip through of property management companies. And it, it, it shocked me because I remember it wasn't that many years ago where the yellow pages was the marketing uh, place of choice. And there would be maybe three of us, right? So for the city of Denver, you had three choices. You had us and you had two other companies. And we kind of charge what we want to charge. And if you didn't like us, you'd go to the next guy. But that's it. Like that was the option. Well, that's not the case now, right? There's all these new companies, there's competition like there's never been before. And a lot of these quote unquote competitors, when they open their door, they don't know how to compete. So if you don't know how to compete, what are you gonna do? You're gonna say, well, let's see, what does that guy charge? He charges X, okay, I'll charge X minus 10. And so that's that's their pricing model. Yeah. They get some business and they can survive for a little while like that, but that just drives down prices, prices, prices. So the competition side has been huge for pushing pricing down which I mean, it's not a right or wrong, it's just, just an is. And then I think the other thing we've seen is with technology as a, as a bigger industry, the financial service industry, again, prices have been pushed down. You know, I, I, uh, I created a, a uh, stock account not too long ago with uh, one of the big stock companies out there, one of the big investment firms out there, E-Trade or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So I can log in and I can buy stocks and the, the, the service fee they charge me is zero, I pay nothing. Now, I remember, a few years ago, when I wanted to start buying stocks, I had to pay like a brokerage fee of you know fifty bucks. You want to buy one stock, you pay us fifty bucks. Yeah. I'm not gonna buy as many as I want. It's, it's zero. It's free. So you know the consumer is being t- 
told that, hey, you shouldn't be paying for this stuff. You're overpaying. Whatever you're paying, you're overpaying. So that's driving prices down as well. And so for as an industry, I think we've been very slow to figure out, gosh, how are we going to be successful in this business when pricing is dropping, dropping, dropping? How do you actually make some money? And uh, some companies do very well at it, but if you don't, if you don't focus on a few key things, then you are you're kind of doomed to fail. And uh, and I talk to folks all the time that are on the other side of that coin that are just not making any money, managing a lot of properties, but not making any money. And it's just not sustainable. Not only do you get no. crunched on the operational cost, but then you're getting crunched on even your ability to bring in revenue. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So it, it seems to me like I'm I'm looking at the course that the um, 25 income streams for your property management business connects directly to that that problem. How do you, we overcome this competitive pricing pressure? Do so in a way that makes us successful while driving your margins higher, right? Because that's fundamentally as a business, that's the that's what makes everything tick, right? What is your margin at the end of the month or end of the day? Yeah. Um, Maybe we can start digging into a few of these because there's some that I think, I think at a high level, our listeners are probably thinking, yeah, this all sounds great. How do you actually do it though? Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So one of them I'd like to start with, because to me, this seems like the most difficult is your module on how to increase your fees and have your owners be happy about it, which I think will raise a lot of eyebrows, but maybe you can give us kind of like a tease of, of that component. Sure. So the idea isn't just to go out and nickel and dime folks. I mean, I, nobody wants to be nickel and dimed, whether, whether they feel like they are or not. Like th that's not the idea. The idea isn't, Hey, let's, let's take your management agreement and build in a bunch of gotcha fees that we can just charge, 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 charge. Yeah, you could do that. And that may work for a while, but from a business model standpoint, I don't like that. You know, I, we want to be totally transparent with our owner clients. We want to say, Hey, here's our fee structure. It's simple. And I think that's a big, a big deal that people forget, right? The simpler, the better. People want simple. They want to see transparency. They want simplicity. So the easier we can place things out for them, the better. And and I, I would really start with the management fee, right? Because historically as our industry, if we're going to have the kind of the big picture view, it all starts with the management fee. And if you go back in time, that that was the fee. Like you charged a management fee and, and maybe you charged something else, but like that was it. And, and, and years ago, that was it. Like we charged a management fee and that's all we charge. And we were proud of that, right? The fact that, hey, we just charge a management. We, we don't nickel and dime you. And I remember yeah. very vividly one day I had this call from this prospective owner. And she's asking me what we charge. And I said, uh, well, well, we just charge a management fee. That's all we charge. And she said, that's all, that's all you charge? I said, yeah, we just have a management fee. And, and so I'm, I'm kind of sounding all hoity-toity, right? Like, hey, ma'am, we don't nickel and dime. We just charge a management fee. She goes, so would you inspect my property? You don't charge me anything for inspections? I said, no, ma'am, we do not. She's like, well, so... Like there's no maintenance oversight. You don't charge anything for that? Nope, we sure don't. She goes, so when you lease my property, you charge me anything for leasing? No, we sure don't. And she goes, wow, I think you're the only company in town that does that. I want to sign up. <laughs> and it was kind of this, wait a minute, what? Like I, I'm the stupid one. Everybody else is making money over there and, and we're not doing this. And, and this was a number of years ago, but it was kind of eye-opening, right? It was that idea. Yeah. Like, this this is hard. And as, as margins came down and pricing came down, we, we realized that, you know what? If we're going to survive and we're going to be profitable, you got to look beyond the management fee. So I think too many people get hung up there, right? get hung up on the management fee. The management fee from a healthy business perspective needs to attract owner clients, right? You don't want your management fee for those folks that are like, ah, I just charge a management fee. I don't want to charge anything else. That's fine. But if that means you've got to charge a higher management fee, you're going to turn people off right on the front end. Because what's the first question an owner asks any of us if they're thinking of hiring us? What's the management fee? So if you say, well, I don't have anything else, but I've got a 15% you know, management fee, you, you just lost everybody because they hear 15% management fee and they're, they're gone. So you almost have to look at that management fee the same way like a grocery store prices their gallon of milk to get you in the door. Mm -hmm. and so so my, my wife sends me grocery shopping all the time and she'll be like, hey, Mark, uh, milk's on sale for 99 cents a gallon at King Supers. I need you to go over there. And it's, it's across town, right? It's the furthest grocery store. But why does she send me over there? Well, because milk's 99 cents a gallon. And so I drive across town and I go to get the milk at 99 cents a gallon. Now that, that's a, you know, the, the business term is a, a loss leader. I put that word in air quotes, right? They yeah. sell milk for less than it costs them to produce. They lose, a, they lose money every time they sell a gallon of milk. Well, why is it? 
because they know people like me will pick up a Snickers bar and a bag of chips and a bag of, and a case of Coke on the way to the front door. And that's where they make their money, right? So that's kind of how we recommend PM companies price that, that management fee first and foremost. Don't get, don't get hung up on it. That needs to be the attraction. That needs to be the magnet of, gosh, I wanna work with them because their management fee is competitive or it's low. Now, now once you get there, then I think is when you start putting those other things in place to generate the income. The management fee from a business model standpoint, as we look at it, that should pay your bills as a, as a management company. Right? That, that keeps the lights on, that pays your bills, but you're not gonna make any money. You're not gonna make any profit. You, you can't, it's just not possible in the markets that we're in. So use your management fee to pay your bills, keep your lights on, pay your computers, pay your people maybe even a little bit, but it's the other things that the, the income, the profit, the net profit's gonna come into. And, and you do that to kind of follow up on your idea of, you know, how did we get our owners on board with that is it's not nickel and diming and you have to provide a high level of service for these things, but you have to have them understand that these are hard costs. And to some extent you're passing on the costs to the owner. So Mr. Owner, I'm not like just fee. I'm not charging you this fee and that fee and this fee, but I'm passing on expenses to you. If an expense is incurred in the management of your property, that expense is passed on to you. It's not something, that we can just magically create money to, to do that service, whether it's an inspection, whether it's a lease renewal, whatever it is, those are hard costs associated with the activity. And so you wanna figure out ways to build back your time, your people's time for those activities. Gotcha, makes sense. And I think if we're kind of like take a couple steps back, it's, it's interesting because when you actually look at the average margin for third-party property managers, the national average is 6%. And on the top end, as people uh, you know, improve that th th their business, on the upper end, you're seeing 20%. But I think with this model that you're talking about, when you take this holistic view, the management fee actually kind of becomes part of the lead gen process. When you think about how do we acquire an attractive management fee, kind of gets them in the door and it sounds like what you're saying is with everything else, you're not trying to nickel and dime. You're being absolutely transparent with them and you're laying out these fees so that they understand, right? These costs that you incur are getting passed to them. You've brought them in the door with that kind of, uh, you know, attractive management fee. And maybe some people, and these are probably the people you don't want to work with, you know, come in and say, oh, well, I only want it to be 4% or 6% and that's it. And you probably don't want to work with them, right? Exactly. It, it almost because your your pricing almost becomes a filter to filter out people you don't want to work with. So if someone calls and is like, "Well, gosh, you know, I, will you negotiate? I don't want to pay that much. I don't like this. I don't like that." I'm not even as concerned about what they don't like. I'm concerned about the fact that they they want to tell me what to do and they're not buying into our model, right? So I'm like, "Oh, mm -hmm. well, you know what? The filter worked. I guess you're not who we want to work with." So 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 quick example of that. Uh, one thing we charge, and uh, we can talk about this in a few minutes, is uh, we have like a resident amenity. We call it a, a resident amenity package or RAP, right? So every month, in addition to your rents, Mr. Tenant, you're going to pay a resident amenity fee of X number of dollars. And, and I'll be happy to go into detail on how that how that is worked. But uh, not too long ago, my, my leasing person came into the office and she's like, hey, Mark, um, we have this approved applicant and I'm going over the lease with them. And we got to the resident amenity fee per month and he's flipping out. Like he's going ballistic. He's like, I'm not paying that. That's ridiculous. What is this about? And he wants to negotiate it. And she's like, what should I, can I tell him we can drop it? Like, wh what do I do? <laughs> and I said, well, the way I view it, like our filter just worked, didn't it? We don't want this guy. This, this guy's already mad and he hasn't even moved in. What's going to happen the first time we try to backbill him for a plumbing issue that he caused? He's yeah. going to go ballistic again, right? So if he's so hung up, over a, a few dollars a month in a resident amenity fee that he's going ballistic, then the filter worked. Let's get rid of him. I want people that are not going to complain and whine about a few dollars. That, that, that's, that's who we're looking for. And so it, it acts as like a, a double benefit. Not only do we make money, but it filters out people that are going to be um, overly price sensitive. Same thing can, with owners and tenants both. Yeah, can, can you maybe share um some other other specifics. And then I'm also curious if you can kind of give us an idea of 
when you're adding some of these other things like the the amenity package and any any of the other ones that that you want to talk about um would love to hear specifics there but i'm also curious like what's the actual impact on revenue when you do more than just that management fee ideally our recommendation for a company is you want to get as close to 50% of your income, I mean like top line income, right? Before you subtract the expenses, you want ideally a, as close to 50% of your overall income coming from non-management fee revenue sources. So ideally for every dollar you make in management fees, you should make another dollar somewhere else, whether it's the, and that's gonna be the combination of the other things you put in place, of your leasing fee, maybe of your inspection fee, of your maintenance oversight, if you have that, you know, whatever other little things in place, you want those things to be as close to 50-50 as possible. And that that is doable. That's awesome. Uh, are there like a few uh, kind of pieces of low-hanging fruit that you think are good for, for managers to start well, with? Yeah. Well, let, let's talk about the resident amenity um, fee because that's that's becoming more popular in our, in our industry. Yeah. And uh, one of the things I think that really made us – understand this concept early on is we also manage commercial property and in the commercial management world it's very different than the residential the commercial management world they have always charged extremely low management fees just bare bones they don't make anything but they've also charged for basically everything else they do so i remember we took over a commercial property one time we were taking over management and so they had to give us all their information and their bills and everything. And I'm going through the invoices that this PM company, this is like a national PM, commercial PM company. And I'm seeing the things they charge the property owner. So for example, and it just kind of blew me away, when they would drive to the property, if they drove to the property, they would bill the property for the mileage to drive to the property. If they sent a letter, there would be an invoice in there for the cost of postage. Like it was everything, every oh. hard expense, that management company incurred would be that was property specific was billed to the property and they they did that and that, that was standard that wasn't like a weird thing that's just what they all did that's what commercial companies do that's how they make money and so it's that mindset now we can't go to that extreme right <laughs> we don't bill mileage <laughs> if you don't have money make someone figure that one out there you go we're gonna be rolling in it but it's that idea that gosh we've got a bill for our expenses so early on, uh, a number of years ago, we were we, we kind of copied the multifamily world. And one thing the multifamily world was doing for quite some time, because they're focused on, they look at this as a business, right? They, they know they've got to make money or they go out of business. And so for years, the multifamily world, as it relates to their tenants, they would charge, and they call it different things, but it, in essence, it would be, in addition to your rent, you're going to pay a few dollars per month as an as an amenity package right so think multifamily. so you've got the pool you've got the weight room you've got the dog walking park you get free internet well you're going to pay a, a an amenity fee of whatever it wants to be five bucks ten bucks twenty bucks per month for these amenities multifamily does it hotel does it so a number of years ago we were trying to figure out, you know, how do we offset? Because we always try to offset our, our costs, our hard costs. And we had hard banking costs. Like we were paying a lot in banking fees back then. We thought, how do we offset these banking fees? So we came up the time. We said, you know what? We're, we're going to charge all of our tenants $1 per month in addition to their rent. We called it a rent processing fee. Why? Because I got to have somebody sit there and open envelopes and take out checks. And it takes a lot of time. Mm -hmm. And we got to scan those checks back then. And that's what we used to do. So we, we put out... You know, hey, Mr. Tenant, in addition to your rent of, you know, a thousand bucks, you're going to pay one dollar per month rent processing fee. And and we were kind of like, ooh, how's, what's going to happen? Is everybody going to run away? Yeah. And and sure enough, it, it worked. And so then a couple of years later, we we took our resident uh, or rent processing fee to three bucks. I remember and I was just like nervous. Oh, man, there's going to be a they're going to show up with pitchforks and torches. And oh. but you know what? Did, didn't happen. Didn't happen. People were OK. Why? Because the market allowed for it. So a couple of years later, then we kind of re repackaged that around this concept of, of a resident amenity fee, resident amenity package. And the idea is for property managers is this, we as PMs, we provide a lot of amenities and put that word in air quotes, right? To our tenants, whether we know it or not. And most of us don't think of it that way because we just do it. This is just what we do. For example, if your tenant has the ability to go online and pay their rent online, that, that's a pretty nice perk. That's a pretty good, pretty good, pretty big amenity. See, they don't get that if they rent from Mr. Joe Smith landlord who manages his own property down the street. 
because he doesn't have that ability right now we just think of it well that's not an amenity this is what we do well i know it is it's what we do but it's still an amenity as compared to the single family landlord who owns and, and rents out his own place right so there, there's there's something and what else do we provide like that well most companies provide a like an after hours emergency service maybe it's maybe it's you guys right maybe the tenant can call at 3 a.m when their water heater blows up and they're talking to latchel on the phone is that a hard cost to a pm company yeah yeah i'm pretty sure latchel doesn't work for free do you guys work for free ethan yeah absolutely not <laughs> okay okay so that's a hard cost we've got to pay for that so that's but that's a benefit we, pl uh, we that we give our tenants they don't get that if they go rent from joe smith landlord down the street they they call him at 3 a.m and he doesn't have his phone on so that's a benefit that we provide to them we we provide things like a um, an attorney approved lease agreement that joe smith doesn't provide down the street right we provide guaranteed maintenance callback time like it's all these things that we've just always done we've always done mm -hmm. so we said gosh let's let's look let's see if we can bundle all these things together that we're already doing right so we're not going to start anything new let's just take all the stuff we're doing let's put it together and instead of charging a rent processing fee we're going to repackage that as a resident amenity fee and in addition to the rent every month we're going to charge this fee um and i've seen you know from an industry it's anywhere from you know two bucks up to seem like 50 bucks and i think you need to know your market because there are certainly hurdles with that you know we try to keep ours under 10 bucks and we get zero pushback on that but one of the keys i think to making this work and and like this is this is big so if if you were listening and you fell asleep now's the time to wake up because if you're going to do a resident amenity package there's two two key things i think to making it work number one is when the person goes online to fill out the application right there right before they start filling in the application you want to make that disclosure you want to say hey in addition to your rent of $1,000 per month, you will be billed a resident amenity fee of whatever you want, you know, five bucks, mm -hmm. eight bucks, 10 bucks, whatever it's going to be. Right. So that, that's step number one. Because what you don't want is you don't want to sit down to sign the lease and then spring it on and spring that on them at that time. That, that looks like bait and switch. You know, I mean, that just smells ugly. That's like, wait a minute. Here I am to sign. And now you're telling me I'm going to pay an extra 10 bucks a month. That's not right. You want to be transparent. So put that language, it doesn't need to be in the, the ad, you don't need to say it in every ad necessarily, but put it on the application page, whether it's on your website, whether it's a paper application, whatever it is, but that's, that's, that's number one. Uh -huh. And then the second thing we did to really make this workable and easy is on that little page. So if, you're on our, if you were on our website right now, Ethan, and you were about to fill out an application because you want to rent a property in Denver. And so you, you click the apply now button. And so it takes you there and it says, hey, you know, we're going to, we're gonna process your application. We're gonna look at your credit history. We're gonna look at all this stuff. And then there's a, a, a final sentence that says, hey, in, in addition to your rent, you are also gonna be paid, you're also gonna be billed a resident amenity fee of 10 bucks per month. And then the next sentence is so important because it says this, it says, click here to see what your resident amenity package includes. Because every person, when they hear that, they're gonna, I mean, what would you say if I told, hey, you're gonna pay 10 bucks a month, Ethan, in a resident amenity fee? You're gonna be like, well, what's my resident what do i get what is this for what is exactly this yeah so the key to making it simplistic and workable and not having pushback uh number one is put it there number two is you create a page on your website where you list out what these things are and it's, it's just like a little marketing page we have a page and it's called our resident amenity uh, benefits and so it then gives a little brief description of the i think we've got like 12 you know 12 different things that we bundle together as our resident amenity you know, 24 hour response time on maintenance, 1-800 number you can call, ability to pay rent online anytime you want, a secure online portal to store all your docs, um, pet information stored digitally, you know, da, 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 whatever the handful is, there's like 12 of them. So this, this way, if somebody says, well, what's this all about? Whether they say to us verbally or they're on the site, right? So if they call my leasing person, they say, hey, what's this resident amenity fee package? Explain this to me. Well, I don't want to have to train my people in how to explain it. So the response is, you know what? Let me send you a link to a web page that'll give you a full description of everything. Period. That's it. Conversation ends. Then they then we send off the link. So so we really have not had any pushback, um, other than the one crazy guy I mentioned earlier. Right. But really, that's that's it. Like we've had one person ever in five years that has ever pushed back or or not been okay with that type of a thing. Why? Because it's all right there. We've got the pretty little marketing page on the website. So if, if folks are going to do this, and I encourage them to do it, I think you want to have that page on the website because that's what's going to make, that's the key. That's the, the part that makes it easy because we want things that are easy. We don't want new programs to administer. 
It's just repackaging what you always, what you're already doing and then bundling it that way and, and marketing it. This is really great. Cause I think one of the things that hangs people up about this is there's that fear of, you know, now I'm going to have to go sell this thing to get tenants paying for it. And it sounds like the way you've set this up and correct me if I'm wrong here, you're only doing this on your renewals and new leases and you don't really have to sell anything because you have the web page and you just refer them there. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. You're exactly right. We do it on new leases. And when we first started putting it in place, you know, it, it does take 12 months to get this in place for all your properties, right? Cause you're going to do it on every new lease. And then you're also going to market it on your lease renewal. So when a property comes up for renewal, now, instead of reaching out and saying, hey, your, your rent's going from 1,000 to 1,050. Well, now what you say is, hey, your rent's going from 1,000 to 1,060. And oh, by the way, $10 of that is a, is a resident amenity fee. And there's a link here for it. Because people don't care the breakdown. They just want to know the total. How much do I need to pay? What's the total? So over the course of 12 months, if you renew everybody, it, and it will take a 12-month period, but you can get everybody into this program and charge that. And, and Another little key point on that, you know, you mentioned a moment ago that you know, PMs are, are nervous about this. I get it. Like we were scared to death starting to put this in place. So I would encourage folks when I work with people putting this in place, I always say this. I say, start off as you're thinking about how much to charge, because that's the big question. What do I charge? How much do I do? And I would say this, do whatever dollar amount seems extraordinarily low to you on the front end. Like what amount could you easily justify that you'd be like, oh, well, of course they're gonna pay that. So if, if $5 sounds too much, if you're like, oh, I think people are gonna push back at five. I'd say, okay, fine. Would they push back at two? Uh, probably not. Okay, would they push back at one? Could you charge a buck? Yes, I could charge a buck. Okay, put the program in place, get the, get the page on your website created, put the verbiage on your um, application and charge $1, just one. Because what happens is we get so hung up on the dollar amount that we don't move forward with it, right? Yeah. The difficult part of it, and it's really not that difficult, but if you want to find a difficult part of this thing, it's putting the process in place. So don't let the dollar amount hang you up. So start it at $1. And then, and then 90 days in, when you're like, yeah, this is working pretty cool. Nobody's pushing back and we can sell this thing easily. Okay, you know what now? Now take it to $2. And, and just on new ones, right? All the old people are still at one, but yeah. now take it to two. And then when that's working well, because going from $1 to $2, once the program is in place, or going from $1 to $10, it's as simple as changing a digit on your website. That's all you're doing. So don't get hung up on the dollar amount. Keep it so low that you know your people aren't going to push back, that you know you're not going to have any trouble explaining it to, or selling it to somebody. Yeah, I think sometimes, too, it... it you know, folks want to implement something and then never go back and adjust. And to know this is the kind of thing you can do one month and see how it goes. And next month say, you know, we're going to modify this now for all the next set of renewals and new leases. Yeah. Like this is an evolving, evolving thing. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think the thing that's sort of underrated too is the actual offer to the tenant like there are things tenants want that they are willing to pay for and they would love to pay more money for these um you know features and, and things like that i think the other place people get hung up and maybe you can kind of briefly touch on this um is sort of in the management side and the back end side like what what's actually entailed and how long does it take to actually set this up? So minus the getting your landing page up and you know deciding what's in the package, what other things do property managers need to be thinking about in terms of how do I manage this? And for example, things like, well, do I need to communicate this to my clients, my owners? Like, how do I do that? Do I need to like separate the accounting side of this? Do I need like some new GL code? Do I just package it and rent? Can you speak a little bit about like that whole yeah, process? Good question. So let's look at the owner side first, right? What what obligation do we have to notify our owners of this? So absolutely, you, this, you know, this can't be something you just don't tell your owners about. <laughs> it has to be disclosed, right? So hopefully for everybody out there, if your management agreement is strong, and if you look under some section in your management agreement, you're going to have something where it talks about fees, and it's going to list a section of the management agreement, which, which discloses to the owner, the fees you can charge to the tenant and not give to the owner. There's, a, there's always a section for that. Every If your management agreement doesn't have that section, you've got a bad management agreement. It's time to get that updated, right? Because for, for example, 
it's going to say, hey, we can charge an application fee to the tenant and we, the property management company, we're going to retain that application fee. Why? Because we're the ones paying for the application to be run. So we're going to retain that. And it usually says we're going to retain uh, NSF fees. If, if the tenant bounces a check, we've got to cover that cost, Mr. Owner. So that's going to be retained by us. And late fees maybe. So you're going to have a section. So our, our advice on that is make sure you have another little section there that says that you can charge administrative fees. And, and that's an important word because what's an administrative fee? Well, it's kind of an umbrella idea, right? What are the administrative fees? We can charge administrative fees to tenants. I mean, we even put language in there that says, and other customary uh, fees. <laughs> and actually an auditor in the state of Colorado, a real estate auditor gave us that idea. I was like, oh, that's, that's brilliant. I love that, right? And other customary fees. Because you want to give yourself a little bit of an umbrella. So you don't want to necessarily say, well, we're going to charge this, so we're going to charge that to the tenant. Just, it's an admin fee. So number one, make your disclosure. As far as the accounting side of things, it, this is very, very easy. Because if you, regardless of what accounting system you use, they all have that idea of you can charge different things. You charge rents, do you charge utilities every month? Like what are the fees? So we have a separate GL code and for us. It's just, it's just admin, it's an admin fee. So every month the tenant, when they go in to pay their rent online, they log in and they see, you know, rent a thousand dollars. And uh, they say it's, there's a second GL line um, and, and the GL code that we use and you can use whatever you want, but for us it's admin admin fee of 10 bucks. So it's billed every month. That's retained directly but to us, that comes to us. It doesn't go to the owner. That's retained by us from an accounting standpoint. Simple, 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 simple. Awesome. Now, let's look at the owner side, right? Because that's another potential pushback, right? Mm -hmm. So if I'm talking to you, let's pretend you're thinking of hiring me, Ethan. You're an owner and uh, you stumble on my website at, at Grace Management. You want to hire me and you call up and you say, hey, Mark, you know, this looks pretty good. I'm thinking of hiring you guys. I love the fact that you've got this low management fee. We've already talked about that. And uh, I say, well, that's great. And you say, but now hold on a minute, Mark. Like you're charging my tenant. 10 bucks a month in this, like this resident amenity thing. Like, why shouldn't that go to me? Like, like, does that seem like a logical pushback? I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure you'd get that. I mean, I, I bet, I bet you don't get it as often as you think you would have. You're right. You really don't. You don't get it as often, but if you do, right. So the idea of, Hey, what's, how come I don't get this money? Well, this should be mine. Why is this mm -hmm. going to you? What is this thing all about? Which is a fair question. Totally fair question. The response is simply this. Hey, Mr. Owner, great question. So we want to attract the best quality tenants we can attract. And one way we do that is by offering them things like a 24 hour repair hotline that they can call any time of the day and they can talk to somebody. We offer them things like a secure online portal where they can view their account anytime. We let them pay their rent online and there's no admin fees to do that, to pay that amount. Like we, we eat that cost. We eat the cost of the lease agreement being reviewed by an attorney. We eat the cost of the fact that we have um, this online pet profile for like we eat all those things, but those are hard costs to us. We don't want to pass them back on to you. We don't want you to have to pay for that, but it's a hard cost. So the way we offset those costs is we have a minimal amount that we build to our tenants as a resident amenity package. So this covers our hard costs with these things. Now this, this is actually what we find Mr. Owner is this is a benefit to the tenants. So it helps us attract and retain quality tenants. Tenants love this stuff. So it actually helps us get better tenants for your property. The fact that we can offer these things. I mean, we always keep the resident amenity fee low enough that it's never a hindrance to renting the property, right? We're not saying, oh, it's you know, $85 a month. Well, that, that, that would make the property harder to rent. That's not what we want to do. We keep it very, very low and modest enough that it's never going to be a hurdle to getting your property rented. I, I love that. And actually, um, one of the things we've noticed, um, and, and you know, we've talked briefly about this, but you might know in 2020, uh, Latchel, you know, we, we do maintenance, but in 2020, we added a second uh, product that's a, a tenant concierge, kind of acts like a personal assistant that actually coordinates things the tenant needs in their home on behalf of the tenant, like housekeeping, like lawn care, laundry service, all this stuff, and includes some like cash reimbursements on maintenance they get charged back for. And what we found was, and I think this is something that property managers can look at advertising to owners. What we found is uh, for some property managers, that's reduced the attrition mm -hmm. of tenants by a yeah. factor of 40%. Wow. And when you're looking at a property owner, that is a huge value add that we retain because that, you know, that increases their NOI. They're not operating income on the property, right? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I think the retention side is a huge value add to the owner. 
Yeah. And if the owner really, if the owner pushes back to me, right, they're like, oh, I don't, I just don't like this. Well, what that tells me is, okay, well, our, you know what? Our filter worked. This is an owner who is so price sensitive that he has a problem with this, which tells me he's going to have a problem with a mm -hmm. lot of things. Yeah. So he's, he's not a good fit. He's not who we're designed to serve, which is fine. He can go to somebody else. But, but we have these things in place for that reason. So Steve has an amazing question that he posted in the chat, which I'm going to segue to and probably a good segue because I, I mentioned lateral and, uh, you know, maintenance is a huge component uh, on the operations side, but there's also a lot of opportunity on the maintenance side. And so he asked, uh, how can you create and run a profitable maintenance oversight process? And uh, why is it better than doing in-house maintenance? So we've done both. We've done in-house. We did it for a number of years and it worked okay. Um, I talk to a lot of PMs. I talk to a lot of PMs. Very rarely can a property manager run a successful in-house maintenance division. Now, I'm not saying it can't be done, but it's extremely rare because the way you have to look at it from a big picture perspective is you're running another company. If you're going to bring maintenance in-house, you, you're creating a brand new company and you need to understand maintenance. You need to go out and buy tools and you need to hire people and you need to have people that oversee those people and they're gonna have phones and they're gonna have vacation time and they're gonna have expenses. So it, it's another company, it really, really is. And it's hard, as we know, it's hard to run any company. So, and we did this for a number of years and it worked okay, but we finally decided to pull the plug one day when I, one day when I went to Walmart and I'm walking through Walmart and I see my maintenance guy shopping. And I'm like, what, aren't you on the clock right now? Supposed to, I thought you were at 123 Main Street. And he was technically at 123 Main Street, but he was doing some stuff. Oh, and I was like, no. this is ridiculous, right? And now people can say, oh, well, Mark, you can GPS track them. I know you can, but I like things simple. I don't want to GPS track my maintenance people. I don't want maintenance people. He like, has this time for that. This is ridiculous. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I, I'm a huge believer in keeping things simple. So we, we scrapped that. We scrapped that. What we went to is charging a simple maintenance oversight fee on everything that we bill. And th therefore I have no overhead. I have no oversight. I have no trucks that break down. I have no tools that go missing. I don't have to store anything. There's nothing, there's nothing, it goes away. And if no maintenance gets done for a day, well, I don't have to keep anybody busy. But if maintenance does get done and we see and we receive an invoice for a hundred bucks, we're gonna back bill our owner clients, the cost of the invoice plus a maintenance oversight fee of, and you can you know charge whatever your market does. I mean, I've seen anywhere from you know, flat 20 bucks to 10%. I've seen some people do 20%, right? So anywhere in that, that range, it's not a right or wrong, but I am a huge believer. You know, you asked me earlier, Ethan, like what really moves the bottom line? And this, this is the one, this is the one that I think every PM company should have some form of a, of a maintenance profit center, whether it's a maintenance oversight fee, a vendor rebate, there's a number mm -hmm. of ways to do it. I like the, the maintenance oversight fee personally. I think it's, it, again, it's, it's, it's straightforward. Owners understand it. There's nothing under the table, right? Oh, I'm going to kick back from, no, no, I'm billing you the cost of the maintenance oversight fee. I'm excuse me. I'm billing you the cost of the vendor invoice plus the maintenance oversight fee of X. Now, now the potential pushback from an owner comes, well, I thought that's what the management fee was for, <laughs> right? I mean, that's, that's the most common uh, pushback. You go, well, gosh, what, yeah. why am I paying you a management fee if I'm also paying you this maintenance oversight fee? And, and, and so here's the response. Hey, Mr. Owner, great question. Let me explain to you the way our maintenance process works. Okay. So studies show nationally, year after year, the number one reason that tenants give nationally for moving, you know, this is why they don't renew their lease, is this poor quality maintenance. Nothing gets fixed, no phone calls get returned, and so they move. That's the number one reason nationally given. Yeah. By and large, that does not happen with our properties. And the reason it doesn't happen is because we take maintenance so seriously. So the way our maintenance process works is when a tenant has a repair request, they've got a couple options. They can go online and submit a repair request. They can call into our office and leave the repair request that way. We want to make it easy for them, right? We want to make it very easy for them to do. So when that call comes in, that goes to your property manager, right? Your property manager knows your property and they can self-diagnose a lot of those things. So when the tenant says, hey, my garbage disposal isn't working. Your property manager knows your property and they can say, okay, open the little shelf under the cupboard. See that little red reset button. Try to press that. Does it work now? Okay, great. Congratulations. You, you fixed your dish, your garbage disposal, right? Yeah. So they're going to self-diagnose. Now, if it's not something that can be fixed that way, then we're going to send out a vendor. Now, even if that call, another thing, benefit we give to them, Mr. Owner, is if that call comes in at 3 a.m. because the water heater just blew up, 
Because by the way, surveys also show nationally that hot water heaters only blow up on Friday and Saturday nights between two and 3 a.m. It's the only time they go out. <laughs> so when that call comes in, that goes to a live person, uh, yeah. a la Latchel, right? <laughs> someone, someone is talking to that person and they're telling them how to shut it off. Well, and if it's Latchel, we're doing that over video too. Yeah. Video-based okay. telemaintenance, which is a great sell to an owner, right? How cool, how cool. Yeah, so it, it's a great sell, right? So, so we have somebody talking to them. And then uh, the next day we send out a vendor. So whether it's emergency or non-emergency, we send out the appropriate vendor. We, we qualify all of our vendors on three criteria. Number one is quality of work, right? That we want top quality work. Number two is timeliness. They've got to be fast. And so, so quality, timeliness of, of work. And then number three is price. We want aggressive, typically less than market pricing. So we qualify our vendors. We make sure they have insurance in place. We make sure they're licensed. We send out the vendor. We follow up to make sure the job was done. We receive the invoice, we review the invoice, we get the invoice paid on your behalf. Now for that oversight process, you would be billed the cost of the vendor invoice plus a maintenance oversight fee of 10%, mm. period. Now, now let me ask you, Ethan, what I just, if you were the owner and you asked me, Mark, what's this maintenance over, like you charge a maintenance oversight fee? If I had said, uh, yeah, yeah, we, we upcharge you over maintenance. What, what sounds better? Yes, we have charged you up maintenance or the explanation I just gave as to the process. I like that in your initial explanation, you conveyed why you're such a valuable asset to me. And that yeah. is worth more than 10%. I've seen that you mentioned this. I've seen companies charge 20% mm -hmm. and owners don't balk at it because right. they because, convey value. Yeah. When you explain the process, owners get that. So I had a, a prospective owner call me not too long ago. And I'm talking to this woman and we're having a great conversation. And then she says this, she says, now you're not one of those companies that upcharges maintenance, are you? <laughs> That's exactly how she said it. Yeah. And, and, and I, and I answered her in the same thing that I just said to you. I said, ma'am, great question. Let me explain to you the way our maintenance process works. Right. And then I explained the whole thing. And when I was done with that explanation, she was like, oh, okay. And she hired us. Right. Cause I think for any PM, when you explain the process, suddenly it becomes justifiable. Now, and if they still don't like it, if they're like, mm -hmm. nah, I still don't like it. Okay, fine, then then go somewhere else, right? But this is the way the process is gonna work. This is the way the process has to work for us to manage your, your property on a quality level. And if you don't wanna do it, that's fine. But I promise all the property managers listening, no matter what market you're in, I promise you, there are owners who are willing to pay for that, if, if, assuming you provide a good level of service. Now, if your service stinks, that's a different problem. Right? But if you're providing a good quality service, then that is not something that owners are going to push back on. And if you're doing the math in your head on that, right? If you're like, ah, oh, gosh, maybe I should do that. Take how much you spent on maintenance. We just finished up the third quarter. Pull your profit and loss for your portfolio that you manage. Figure out how much your portfolio spent on maintenance for the first nine months of the year. And then multiply that times a factor of, you know, whatever, 5%, 10%, 12%, whatever. That's how much money you just lost. That's how much money you missed out on by not having that maintenance oversight fee in place. So, so running the numbers should encourage any PM to start charging that maintenance oversight. Can property managers implement these fees at any time or do they have to wait for a certain cadence or is it just about having the conversation with current owners and saying, hey, we're, we're updating, this is what's gonna start next month? Yeah, great question. So on that, PMs need to look at their property management agreement. So if an owner, so like, let's say, um, you're a property manager and you're listening to this and you're like, you know what? I'm doing this. I'm doing it starting tomorrow. Well, and let's pretend that you just signed up a new owner yesterday to a 12 month agreement. Well, you're locked into your current agreement for 12 months. If you signed a 12 month agreement, so you can't go in and unilaterally make changes without notification, which, so, so you'll want to wait till that management agreement comes up for renewal and at that point in time, do it. Makes and sense. that's, you know, to take us off on a quick little rabbit trail, that's one of the big reasons we recommend that property managers have a month-to-month -month management agreement with mm. the ability to make changes monthly. So, because that way, if you know, imagine if all your management agreements were month-to-month, -month, you'd be like, oh, well, sweet. Now all I need to do is send out a 30-day notification and we can make this change. So that, that's a whole nother <laughs> conversation, but that's <laughs> how you can uh, make sure that you can make any changes going forward. Well, you have 25 modules in your course and we've only talked really about two. So there's a ton of good stuff uh, that, that folks should can go uh, learn about in, in this this course you offer. Um, 
I want to get to how people can access your course, but before I do, I'm curious if you had to make any, I mean, 2020 has been an insane year. Have you had to make any like extra updates to this course, uh, given COVID and everything happening in 2020? Um, we haven't really made any updates to the course, uh, internally, operationally, you know, one of the big hits we took financially was, was late fees. Because, you know, we're, we're big believers and in, in you charge a late fee when it's appropriate and that late fee should be retained by the PM company. And, uh, and we've, we've always done that. And that's a significant income stream for us. Well, early on, like when COVID first happened, before anything else happened, we, we went out and we proactively contacted our residents. We're like, you know what? We're, we're not charging late fees. Like we were, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of our team of doing that, like getting ahead of the game on that because we wanted to help our tenants. Yeah. And that was like, for us, that was a lot of money <laughs> that we were just waving. Uh, we've done it all year. And uh, so that's that's been something operationally that's been a financial hit. But we have to remember as well, from a big picture, like those types of things are going to happen. Right? That's why it's all the more important to have these things in place so that if something gets hit, if you're late, if you're only depending on late fees and suddenly your late fee income goes to zero, I mean, who would have thought that? If you would have told me a year ago, my late fee income would go to zero, I just said, you know, Ethan, you're crazy. That's impossible. That would never happen. Well, guess what? COVID made a lot of impossible things happen. So you want to have business, a business model that is that is healthy and that has these things built in so that you can lean into other parts of your business, whether it's maintenance income or whether it's property inspection income. You know, we didn't talk about that, but that's a big one. Whether it's pet fee income, having those things in place because you're going to need to lean into them at certain times in the market. You know, to come full circle in our conversation, 20 years ago, we leaned into our management fee. That's all we needed. It's all we had. Well, what happens when the management fee in the industry drops? Uh-oh, you're in trouble unless you have something else. Yeah. And so a, a healthy business model will have these things built in. If you have none of these things, I, I would caution you because I think you have an unhealthy business model. You have an unsustainable business model. It may be working just fine right now. But it's not a it's not as healthy as it as it should be. Well, and you talked about uh, e trade, right? And and uh, your stock portfolio. And in a way, what we're talking about is diversifying. There's like an implicit diversification of your revenue streams when you're implementing these. Where if one thing fails, it's okay because you have so many other uh, income streams. It's okay that. Uh, you went and, and gave up that late fee revenue, which I'm sure your tenants absolutely appreciated, really probably did well for goodwill building, but you could do it because you had diversified where that income's coming from. You had other streams to support you, right? Yes, and you have to. And, and I'll tell you, I have heard conversations, like small conversations on, on people that are forward thinking. And the questions they're asking themselves from some very forward thinking property management companies is how do we get to a business model that would not charge a management fee? Hmm. Like that, that just blows most of our mind. It blows my mind, right? <laughs> like, are you kidding me? But that's the direction. Now, will we get there? I don't know. But people are having that conversation. That's a crazy conversation. How can we create a business model that would not charge a management fee? Now, and I'm not saying we need to go there. I'm not saying people should, should do that, but you need to be thinking that way. That is forward thinking stuff. Because we're going to go more that direction than we are the opposite direction of, you know what, let's just charge bigger management fees. Yep. So yep. these other ancillary things aren't just, it's not just bonus, like, oh, make a few extra bucks. It's necessary, I think, for the long-term survival of any PM company. Yeah. I mean, these things can be significant. I mean, I know yes. for... Um, you know, Latchel's customers, the ones using our, our concierge package, some of them are making up to $6 extra every month on every unit, right? Which is when you're do the math. a thousand yep. units. Yeah, you do the math there. It's it's meaningful. It means another employee. It means right. uh, you can forego late fees for a month and, and not have it hit your bottom line. Um, well, I, I want to... Uh, I have a couple questions before we wrap up, but before I go there, I, I did want to ask, do you have any uh, success stories of, of your students or, or folks that have taken the course? And when someone takes this course, what can they expect coming out of it? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm always cautious of, of, of sharing names, but, <laughs> but yes, um, you know, I work with a lot of folks on that and, and I'll start off working with somebody and they're, they're where I was earlier, right? That idea of, gosh, I charge a management fee. And I don't, and the biggest thing I hear is this, there's no way my owners are gonna go for it. I can't, I can't do this. I can't roll this out. So, so I'll, I'll tell you this, 
here, here's a success story. So I one company I worked with um, and they were like, you know what, Mark, um, we're gonna roll out every one of those, like all 25 in our new management agreement next, next year, we're putting every one of those in place. And I was like, wow, that's brave. Like, I don't think I would even do that. That's like, that's a whole different business model. I said, you guys are gonna lose some, some significant owners. They're like, oh, we know, we know. But like, we're, we're, we're not happy the way we're going. We're charging it all. <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily recommend it, but they did. They rolled yeah. it all out. And uh, I asked them a couple months later, I was like, well, how many, you know, who left? And they said, we had, we had about 25% of our owners that left. Well, there's 25%. I was like, wow, 25%. And they said, yeah, but you know what? Our income was up like a hundred percent. Like I will gladly trade 25% of my owners to double my income. So was it worth it? Yeah, I have less owners. The ones that left were the kind of the headaches anyway. And we more than made up for it. Now, I'm not telling people to go out and suddenly, you know, charge everything where you weren't charging before. But I, these folks did, and uh, they were happy to do it at the end of the day. Well, I mean, the, the story is amazing. Imagine having a fourth, 25% less work to do. Probably even more, right? Because these owners were probably the ones that were right. like half the work. Imagine cutting out half the work you have to do and doubling your margin. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, where can folks access this course? So the website we have, it's uh, it's property management system, singular. And yes, I realize it's a mouthful, propertymanagementsystem.org. That's the website we have where we have our training videos and we've got everything um, there. We have videos that come out every two weeks just on miscellaneous things. And um, one of the, one of the, we've got system manuals there and we've got information on coaching and we've got marketing training, just all the, the aspects of it. But one of those pages there uh, says income streams. And that's where we offer that training. It's like 25 different video files where, uh, where it's me talking about the program and, and explaining what it is how to sell it to your owners, how to sell it to your tenants. Then we actually give the docs, like we share the actual docs and language um, from the management agreement and the docs we use in all these things as well. So that's where that's at. Um, if people are interested, they can certainly jump on there and take a look. Now you have a, uh, a special discount, right? For any listeners here. Do you, do you want to share that? Yeah. Yeah. Happy to. So we, I mean, we've never done this before, Ethan, but like, I do love that. So like you guys were one of our first sponsors of pulling back the curtain. And like, I love you guys. I really, really do. I just, you guys are some of my favorites. So, we love so you, what too. We, <laughs> <laughs> you know, should we sing Kumbaya now? You want to say, <laughs> yeah. so, so what, what we'll do if it's cool with you guys is for any of your customers uh, through the month of October that are on there, we'll put a code of Latchel. So if you on the purchase, if you put the code Latchel, spell that word in there, we'll do that 25% off that uh, through the month of October. That's awesome. Uh, thanks so much for doing that, Mark. Yeah, happy to. Now, is there anything you want to leave folks with before we wrap up? I would just say this. If you are surviving right now, I mean, we're in the midst of, we're in the midst of the apocalypse, guys, right? Like this is as crazy as anything could ever get. And I talked to so many folks that are just like, we're discouraged. It's a discouraging time. Our industry is getting pummeled legally, financially. It's hard. It's hard. And I was having a conversation with our team the other day. And I said this, I said, guys, the frustration is this. We have worked harder this year than we've ever worked. We just have because of the changes in the law and tenants not paying rent. It's a hard year. We've worked harder than we've ever worked. And yet you just feel like you're treading water. All the grand plans for 2020 flew out the window. So it's a frustrating thing for all of us. But, but what we have to remember is sometimes treading water isn't so bad, right? Because a lot of companies are not. And I mean a lot. I think a lot of companies are, are either have gone out of business or they're on the verge. So if you're frustrated and you're like, oh, we just, we, all we did is tread water this year, I would say congratulations. Give yourself a pat on the back. Don't let that discourage you because this has been a crazy year. This is the craziest year we've seen ever since 1978. Will another crazy one come? Yeah, maybe. But this is, this is nutty. This is weird. So if you've survived this year, you have survived the apocalypse of the property management industry. And if you can come out of this other back end, just still standing, even if you're wobbly a little bit, kudos to you, congratulations, and don't, don't beat yourself up. Mark, you're inspiring as always and so generous. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing this with everyone. Ethan, my pleasure. Thank you. And for everyone listening in, thank you for tuning in. It's been a pleasure. If you're interested in more topics on property management growth, you can head to propertybrew.co, subscribe to Latchel's weekly newsletter where we focus on industry innovations, growth tactics, and things like that. Uh, to stay updated on upcoming sessions, you can follow this Crowdcast channel at crowdcast.io slash Latchel 
or on Facebook at facebook.com slash lateral and tune in next week. We're going to have an awesome session with Phil from Onsite Pros. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date. Hit that subscribe button. Give us some love. Maybe give us a five-star review, too, if you like what you're hearing. And I have an ask for you. I'd like you to go to latchel.com and click the book a demo button to schedule time to talk with us. We want to hear about your business, how you've been, how you're growing, how maintenance is going at your company. Maybe we can work together, maybe not, but you won't know unless you talk to us. So go to latchel.com, click the book a demo button. I'm looking forward to talking to you. I know the rest of our team here is. So go do that as soon as you can. Thanks, everyone. See you back next week.